Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 180. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and a very warm welcome to this week's episode. How are you doing? So I've mixed things up a little bit this week. I'd normally give you a solo interview, solo interview. However, when I interviewed this very lovely man, he had a launch he's doing and I said, you know what, let's get your interview out quicker and then I can help you promote this launch that you're doing. Um, he's doing a free workshop. I'll tell you about that in a bit. Anyway, so it's an interview today, but it's a really good one. And actually, it's been really in line with some of the conversations I was having last week on social media. So I've changed up how I'm doing my social media. You won't notice too much to begin with, I don't think. Well, you might. Uh, You might think I'm posting a bit differently or a bit more. I don't know. A bit less in some cases. But I'm seeing how it goes before I share with you the results and my strategy and that sort of thing. Because I am the person who tests these things out and tells you whether they're any good for you and your business. So anyway, last week, Uh, when you're listening to this on social media, we were having the conversation around showing your face and putting yourself out there and what makes you nervous about doing that, why you should consider doing it. I shared, if you, in case you missed it, I shared the story about my first hater uh, and what happened and how I dealt with it. It's a fairly interesting story. So uh, you can find that on my social media. If you're not on my email list, you've had it on email on Wednesday. Anyway, so we talked about that. And one of the things we talked about, or one of the things that I suggested, I gave you some tips was about getting in front of other people's audiences. Now I've done a whole podcast about this, so we'll link to the show notes, but 
specifically, one of the things that I included on those tips or five tips was to see if you can get on someone else's podcast. Again, I have talked about this in the past, but basically this interview is around that, but it's so unique and so creative that I just had to bring him on. Now, let me kind of just straighten up a bit here because I'm all over the shop. So I don't know whether you know the story of how I got Amy and Pat Flynn as my first two interviews on so on this podcast, or it was called something different back then, but it's this podcast. But basically, maybe I should save the whole story for another day, but basically I went to a lot of effort. I put some effort out there. I told them I'd meet them for a coffee. I flew from the UK to America to meet them for a coffee uh, in LA and basically thought if the interview, if the conversation goes well and we get on, then what I will do is when I get back to the UK, I'll ask them if they want to come on the podcast. Anyway, very luckily I didn't have to ask them because they both offered while I met them individually. So I obviously went very much above and beyond to get those people or to make a connection with those people. And what Jeremy did when he contacted me to ask if he could come on my podcast was exactly the same. So this isn't, I don't want you to listen to this and think, well, I don't want to go on people's podcasts, so I don't want to listen to it. I want you just to think about like, how could you maybe go a bit above and beyond or how can you stand out and be unique and do something differently so that when you contact someone, when you try and get in front of someone, when you want to get someone on your podcast or on your blog, or you want to guest on someone else's blog or get featured on a live or get someone on your live, whatever it is you're doing, then hopefully this will give you some ideas because honestly, it was great. Okay, before we get into that, I need to remind you about the podcast competition. It finishes on the 29th of March. And what you have to do to get involved and to win an iPad, people, an iPad. My husband <laughs> said to me the other day, we're sat in bed. It's my birthday uh, towards the end of March. And he said to me, I, I would like, you know, uh, an iPad. And he said, well, fingers crossed, I'm going to enter this competition and I might win you one. And I was like, is that my competition? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you can't win. I'm sure it'll say the terms and conditions. You can't win. Anyway, you could win an iPad, which, you know, they're nice. I'd, I'd like an iPad. I, I feel like I'm being completely spoiled because I have my Big Mac, my Big Mac, not as in the Big Mac burger, as in my iMac that I work off at my desk. I do also have a laptop and I have my phone, but sometimes you don't want to open a laptop and sometimes the phone's too small. Hashtag first world problems. Anyway, if you want to be in with the chance of winning an iPad, which is a hell of a prize, all you have to do is go and give me a lovely review over on Apple Podcasts or where you listen to this podcast. Then as you've written the review, so um, basically you go to Apple Podcasts and you scroll to the bottom where it says reviews, you click write a review, you give me five stars and you write something lovely, screenshot that, post it somewhere, tag me in, you'll be entered into the competition. So, and I've made it purposely a bit of work because it's a big prize. It's a great prize. So do go and do that. Do screenshot it, send it over, and then I will enter you into the competition. You can also get two bonus entries if you do another post that just talks about generally why you love the podcast. So there we go. Go and enter that competition. You've only got a few days to do it. Don't miss out on the chance to win an iPad. It's going to be great. You might win it. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, so let's get on with today's episode. Now, as I've already said, and as you'll hear in this episode, Jeremy contacted me to say, could he come on the podcast? 
And I had already had someone talking about podcasting on, and I thought, do you know what? Now's not a great time because I've had someone talking about podcasting. But his stuff, the way he approached me was so good. The way he got my attention, the way he made that extra effort was so good that I couldn't not have him on. And like I said, this is what I want you to focus on. What can you do above and beyond and how can you get yourself in front of the right people? So Jeremy is a CEO and storyteller in chief. I see this is where I can't read. I hate reading out loud. Jeremy is the CEO and storyteller in chief. Mm, there you go. That's where the pause should be. Of Counterweight Creative and Podcast Production and Marketing Agency, helping health and wellness experts leverage podcasting to become the go-to authorities in their space. He loves all things outdoors, is borderline religious on getting his 10,000 steps per day, and will always look back on the day he finally saved up enough money to buy the Millennium Falcon Lego set. I'm not laughing, I promise, as one of his proudest achievements. I love that little detail. Okay. I'm just going to let you dive straight in and listen to the lovely Jeremy. Like I said, this is going to be a really good one. Some great advice here. Enjoy. Okay. I am really excited today to welcome to the podcast, Jeremy Enns. Jeremy, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic today, Teresa. How about you? I am good. You know what? We've just been chatting before I brought you on. And one thing I didn't ask is whereabouts in, you're in Canada, aren't you? So I'm actually, I'm originally from Canada, but I am currently in Belgrade, Serbia, of all places. Um, my girlfriend and I have been traveling uh, for the past, doing the whole uh, digital nomad remote uh, working yeah. lifestyle for the past five years. And uh, we got caught in uh, the UK and Scotland during the start of the pandemic. And we kind of ran out our six months that we had there. Then we went to Portugal, Croatia, and now we are kind of going increasingly obscure into the places that will let us in. Uh, and so we've ended up in Serbia. That is insane because you know what? The reason I asked is because we're recording this at like midday UK time. And obviously yeah. I'm very used to having later in the day podcast episodes for obviously people over that side of the world. So, wow, that is, I mean, that is a story in itself, isn't it? Traveling <laughs> during COVID, being only allowed to stay in so long certain places. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I mean, we probably would have gone back, but uh, she's American and I'm Canadian and they closed the border. So we were actually, oh my God. we probably would have tried to go back to either Canada or the US, but we don't have, neither of us has dual citizenship or permanent residency. So uh, I think I would have been allowed into the US for some time. Obviously it wasn't a place you wanted to be uh, near the start of the pandemic and yeah. maybe still not, but I would have been able to stay there max six months and uh, my girlfriend would not have been allowed into Canada at all. And so we heard lots of stories about cross-border couples getting separated and just for months at a time with no idea of when they'd be able to see each other again. So that's kind of why we've been just staying out as long as possible wow. and hopping from place to place. Yeah. That's crazy. You know what that reminds me of when we watched it just the other day. Um ter is it the terminal with Tom Hanks where oh, he, yeah. <laughs> he travels to the States and then basically his country gets whatever it is and then he's stuck in the terminal. That's like right. you, but luckily you're not in a terminal. But that's awful, isn't it? Like you know, your choice now is like, okay, where are we going to stay for a bit? Because actually we want, if we go home, we can't be together, which, and, and this whole situation is we have no idea what's going to happen next week, let alone next month. 
Yeah, it's been hard to plan. I know that uh, I have a couple of friends, one of my best friends from high school is getting married this summer. And we're not sure if my girlfriend will be able to come to that. I'm not sure if I'll be able to, I mean, I'll be able to get into Canada, but they're not sure like how many people will come to the wedding. Is it still going to be on and wow. making plans about heading back for that and all the, the question marks has made it uh, definitely stressful kind of past year at times. Yeah, I bet. I bet. But it's good that you're together and you're seeing some interesting places. Well, the inside of interesting places, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, because obviously there's not a lot of outdoor stuff that you can do. But oh, man, how interesting. Anyway, off on a tangent, as I do often. So, Jeremy, let's go back to the beginning and how I normally start by saying, uh, can you introduce yourself to my audience? Let them know what you do and how you got to do what you do today. Yeah, so like we just mentioned, I'm originally from Canada, from uh, Vancouver, and I moved there for school uh, back, I guess it's 10 years ago now, to be an audio engineer and record producer. And so that was my uh, my education background, and I wanted to work in studios and work with bands and record records and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, for anybody who's, you don't need to be too plugged in to know that the, the music industry is not a great industry to be in these days uh, in terms of making a career, uh, which is what I found. So uh, after I finished school, I did some interning at a big studio for a year working for free just a couple days a week and after that realized okay I don't think I love this enough to kind of make the sacrifice at sticking with this for years and years and years for really low pay and uh, having to work a day job at the same time and, and all these crazy hours in the studio so I kind of left that behind. Uh, that's when I, I first saved up and took a year off to go traveling and realized oh I, I want to do more of this and yeah. I didn't know about location independence or digital nomads at the time. But uh, after that first year of travel, I started getting curious and I discovered the world of podcasting at the same time. And the first shows I, I looked up were around creative business and uh, quickly discovered the world of online business. And from there, just started playing around with things. And uh, within maybe six or nine months, uh, I had enough clients podcast editing uh, to be able to actually quit my day job and, and go traveling. So it was a pretty uh, quick transition there. Uh, and I think that for me, I, I think the thing I always tell people is who are looking to do something like that is you probably have existing skills somewhere. And that was the case for me where at first I didn't really understand how all this, the, the studio centric skills, audio engineering and all that kind of stuff would translate into a location independent career. Um, but at some point it clicked and I was like, wait, I, I listen to like a bazillion hours of podcasts every week. I love the medium and I have all the skills to be able to produce them. So uh, I started out as a freelancer and now have a team of 12 working with me and uh, we produce podcasts for uh, other online business owners and getting into some, some larger companies as well. Uh, so kind of from the solar printer scale all the way up to like SaaS companies and things like that. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Okay. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on there is Firstly, I need to say that we talked about Jeremy applying to come on the podcast and I, I get lots of applications, as I've talked about before. And one of the things that was the most amazing about Jeremy coming on the podcast was his application process, as in his approach to me and his marketing materials were phenomenal. So talk us through like how you go about identifying and pitching, because Actually, even if you don't have a podcast and you're sat here thinking, well, I don't I don't have a podcast. I don't plan on having one. You coming on my podcast, Jeremy, is, is, you know, is advertising for him. And therefore, I like to go on other people's podcasts, too. And he did it in such a way that was like, I just can't say no. It was so good. So can you just explain to your thought around this and how that came about? Yeah. So, I mean, 
I'll, I'll first start off by saying that I'm someone who will go overboard on, on almost anything I do, which is like, can yeah. be a strength and a weakness. And so yeah. sometimes you go down the rabbit hole and you spend way too much time working on something that really you only needed to go halfway. Yeah. Um, so I think that for me, this is something that podcast guesting is the number one way that all of our clients have grown their shows. And like you just mentioned, you don't need to have a podcast to be able to use guesting on other people's podcasts to grow your own audience. And often like the great thing about podcast guesting is if you are pitching it well, like it should be obvious that it's a win-win for both people that you have some knowledge or something that you can offer the host and more importantly, their audience, because any good podcast host has their audience's interests in, in mind first above all. So always like play to that angle. What can you offer that audience? But um, so yeah, you don't, you don't need a podcast, whether you are trying to build a, uh, you know, a blog, a YouTube channel, whatever it is, podcast guesting uh, for me, feels like the the most sense, the most kind of straightforward way to get in front of people um, who are highly aligned with your your messaging and and who you want to connect with. And it's also really easy to see. You can listen to an episode of the podcast and be like, yep, this is there's a strong overlap with the host's vibe, uh, the content that they cover, and I can see that they haven't talked about what I'm an expert in. And so there's a, a clear opportunity there. So I, I think that's the, the first place to start is just getting clear on like, who can I offer something of value to? Um, and I think that is key because I was just saying as well, Jimmy, that I have lots of people who approach me and I think to myself, well, if you even looked at my podcast and the guests I've had on, you would know you're not the right fit for me. So the fact that you're, you're trying to sell yourself before you even worked out whether you're the right fit. The other thing I loved actually, which I just want to pull out is in your email, you start off by saying thank you for everything you do for the podcast. You've been aware, aware of my show, but I hadn't actually listened until recently. And I really like that honesty because again, right, the amount of people go, oh, I love your show. And I'm so tempted to go, which episode in particular was it? And what did you think of that episode? Because it's like, I don't think you've even listened to a single episode. So so again, to be honest about, I hadn't listened to it, but I just did. And this is what I thought of it. You know, so that's really cool as well. I like that honesty. So, so sorry, go on, I interrupted. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that too. And I think the, the second thing to think about once you're clear on kind of what you're offering and, and maybe even to go back to that a little bit, before you even start pitching, there's like a, a kind of prep work phase where I would recommend you just brainstorm, you know, three to five topics that you know you could talk uh, about for, you know, 60 minutes or something like that, the average, you know, longer form podcast interview. And don't try and like come up with 100 different topics, like pick those five topics that you know, you can just like rock and you can answer any question that you're going to get asked on and be able to speak intelligently about that. And then target the shows that you're reaching out to around those topics. And you can always, you know, once you do that, if you get on 20 shows, then maybe pick a few different topics and mm -hmm. target different shows that that's a better fit for. But it can get really overwhelming. Like there's, I think there's over a million podcasts out there now. Obviously not all of those are in your niche, but you can just like make it easy on yourself and kind of limit uh, the scope of your outreach initially. So I think that that's the, the first step is just getting clear on like, okay, what, who am I speaking to? And what do I want to speak about? What do I want to become known for and become kind of planted in people's minds as that person who's an expert on whatever that is. The second thing, once you're clear on that is kind of what, you, like what you were just talking about is understanding where the podcast host is coming from, which is 
probably on most shows worth being on, they get a lot of pitches. And I've hosted podcasts myself in the past. All of my clients get a lot of pitches. I get pitches for my clients. People come through me, which I think that's a kind of clever strategy <laughs> is going through the producer sometimes. Um, that is, that I've tried that one myself, but <laughs> that is one we should try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think understanding that podcast hosts get a lot of pitches, that means you need to find a way to stand out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, this is something that I learned way back when I was starting out as a freelancer on Upwork. And think it's the same thing, like most people who are posting jobs on Upwork might get 50 to 100 different applications. And a lot of them all look exactly the same. And mm -hmm. so I think for me, the answer has always been leading with as much personality as possible. And I think most most people who are hiring someone and most podcast hosts, they want to, you know, in, engage with someone and interact with someone who they're going to have fun with. Like, mm -hmm. it's not just about extracting information. It's about like creating an enjoyable experience for, you know, the actual conversation between host and guest, but then also that flows through to the audience. And so uh, for me, that's always like trying to, I don't, I don't even know what to say, but like, I was going to say like flower up the language a bit, but I don't think that's quite the word, uh, but like, just have it not be dry, like put in personality. Yeah. And uh, I know one of the other things that uh, I think that you maybe commented on uh, in your response email is I've recorded a, it's about like a two or three minute version of my, my life story. And I tried to like tell my life story in as quick a time as possible and include some like random stuff in there that is not just like a business bio. It's like, you could watch this video for two or three minutes and you'd feel like, okay, I know most of this person's life story. And that can lead to all kinds of interesting uh, questions on podcasts and things to ask about. It gets people curious. And the thing I love about this is like, I include this video. I recorded it once. It took a little bit of time to do, but now it's just on YouTube. And I link to that anytime I'm doing outreach, especially any kind of cold outreach, like people, I feel like it just helps so much. If you can see how somebody interacts on camera, you can hear their voice tone. You yeah. can see how, like, whether they're like comfortable in their body or they're, they're going to be awkward on an interview or anything like that, their energy and enthusiasm. And so I I've used that all over the place in the past year or so since I've done it and I've got just great feedback time and time again. So I think that that's something that I, if you're going to pursue the strategy, I think it would be worth it. It's probably going to take a few hours to put something like that together, but have something oh, like that. Totally worth And especially yeah. if you don't have a lot of experience on being on other people's podcasts, because, or, or much content of you speaking, because the fact that if I, one of the things I do, and I was, again, we were just talking about it before we got on, was when someone contacts me or when I get a request in, I go start searching for that person and I watch videos. I listen, I ask for previous interviews. If someone applies through the application form, I ask for previous interviews so I can go and see and hear what they're like. Because also like my podcast is very authentic, fairly relaxed. We like a chat. I like a laugh. And I need to see and know that that person is going to be a good fit for me as well as the audience. Like if that person's really stiff or that's a very serious, you know, don't get me wrong. I can be serious, but I just, I just need to know that I feel like I could have a conversation with them. And if I have no evidence of that, then that's going to be a really tough decision for me to make because I can't, I can't even start to work out whether that person is going to be great or not. Or, But you have a whole landing page, which I love, that you send people to. And what's really interesting is when I go back and look at your email, it literally is one tiny link in your fairly, not long email, but, you know, good few, you know, few paragraphs email. But it's one tiny link. But actually for me, like the fact that your heading says, meet Jeremy, your next podcast guest. And then you're like, okay, so that was a little presumptuous. Let's try again. Like, 
you know, I love that. I love that personality. Your photos are good on it. They're funny. You know, they're quirky. They're, you know, like you said, subjects to avoid ice cream, Star Wars. Like, okay, Star Wars. I My daughter was at the dinner table the other day asking me about Star Wars. And I was like, listen, darling, I am not the person to be asking about Star Wars. Uh, her and her, my, me and her dad are separated. So it's like, so when you go back to your dad's, he's the one to ask about Star Wars. I don't know anything. If you want to know about makeup, skincare, marketing, social media, I'm your girl for that. Um, so yeah, but it's things like that, 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 like you said, give that personality, give that interest, give that kind of, okay, you know, we've got someone here who is going to be interesting. Because the other thing I guess as well about a podcast is like, all they have is our voice. So right. if, if someone isn't interesting or charismatic or, or can hold a conversation on what they're saying isn't absolutely fascinating. You know, it would be so easy just to go, oh, I'm done. Thanks very much. And not yep. listen. So, so for me, I just loved all of that. I loved, uh, like I said, how you put it together, what it looked like. It did make me feel like I've got it up my game, seriously up my game, <laughs> which I'm going to straight off steal everything you've done. No, I'm not really. You're going to come to my site. It's going to be yellow. My name's going to be Jeremy. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, pl- please feel free to steal it because I stole it from someone else before me. His name's uh, Matt, Matt Giovanici. He has, runs the podcast Money Lab. And we're kind of, we met a few times and hung out at conferences. And for years, I would always send anytime anybody was was talking about this with me. And I was like, okay, you got to go check out Matt's guesting page. It is like the best thing ever. His is even better than mine. Because while I have this three minute video of my life story, he's got a whole podcast rap that he wrote and recorded himself and shot the video for. And it's like completely custom made. And it's about why he's a great podcast guest. It is like, amazing. So what's I'll, his I'll try and find yeah. the link. His yeah. name's Matt Giovanici, but it's a weird Italian spelling, so I can't spell it. <laughs> but if you look up the, the 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 website is Money Lab, and I think it's like moneylab.co slash guest or something like that. Okay. And so I kind of took his template and, and put my own spin on it. And uh, it. so, yeah, you, you feel free to take mine and or both of ours and put your own spin That's on it. The then. Thing, isn't it. It's like you see something. Like, oh, I love that. Like, how could I recreate that myself? Anyway, we did go down a real tangent here because you didn't come on here to tell people how to pitch a podcast. But I just it was so good because, like I said, it wasn't even a question then. It was just a straight. I can see that you're going to be right. I can see that we're going to get on. I can see that, you know, you're going to have something to, to add value to. I can see that you're good fun. And therefore, yeah, why wouldn't I want you on the podcast? So yeah, I loved, loved, loved that. Okay, so let's go back to it. So obviously you started off in the podcast space really early on, much earlier than probably, because it's now really trendy, isn't it? Like it was first cool, then it went into like a bit of a, that's gone now. And now it's had this whole resurgence of everyone's loving podcasting again. So so that's obviously, you know, great news for you and the business that you're in and what you're doing. Yeah. But what we specifically wanted to talk about today, which I think is going to be so helpful to those of you who have got podcasts who are thinking about having a podcast, is one thing I do not do very successfully from a teaching point of view is teaching you how the podcast actually then converts into money. Because one thing I have taught you on previous episodes, and we'll link to them in the show notes, is about like my process and the team, you know, everybody listening to this knows I have a team that does this, you know, Jeremy has an agency that does this. And sometimes actually I'm going to ask that question, you know, when someone first starts a podcast, how do you convince them that having an agency or paying someone to do all this stuff for them is worthwhile when you can't associate an income directly to it immediately? 
Yeah, that's it's interesting because podcasting is frustrating in that way when compared to like a blog where you can track link clicks and all your the different backlinks that you have and it's it's much easier to you know embed pixels and all that kind of stuff um which you know privacy concerns aside are really handy for us as marketers yeah. um obviously that can be taken too far uh, i imagine at some point that technology is going to come to podcasting and i would say that's probably not too far out but as of right now, it is very hard to track like, okay, this listener then went to this landing page. And so I know that the podcast led them to the landing page to my email list, and then they bought a product. And so I can say, okay, uh, this many, or, you know, there's a conversion kind of rate and um, cost per listener, basically, that you could calculate. So yeah. that's not really possible. And I know that even a lot of our clients who I ask them, and I say, like, how do you do you have any idea of, you know, how um, the podcast actually translates into dollars and cents in, in your business? And a lot of them say, you know, not really. Like, we know people talk about it. Our clients and customers mention it, that they do listen to the show and that it's helpful. But we don't know for sure that the podcast was the first thing that they listened to or that it led to a sale or anything like that. Mm. The one thing I will say is we have had some clients, and this is very true of coaches a lot of times, and uh, we work with a lot of people in the health and wellness space. And uh, so I have one client in particular who she has a, I mean, her show's decently large, I would say like 1000 to 1500 listeners per episode, but it's it's pretty niche. It's about natural skincare. And she started the show uh, in 2019. And within a year, I think she had, she said she had 10x her practices income within a year of launching the podcast. And she said that 80% of people who she ended up working with through coaching calls heard about her or found her through the podcast or her guesting on other shows. And so it, I mean, that kind of, it's more anecdotal kind of data, but that's what I recommend for people. If you are a service provider for sure, or, I mean, you can do this for a product too, like have a checkbox or not a checkbox, but a drop down menu that says like, you know, where did you hear about us? Or do you listen to the podcast or something like that? You can also find this by just running, you know, occasional surveys every, you know, six months or a year or something like that. And just kind of gauge uh, your audience, how aware they are of the podcast, what role it plays for them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, So there, there is, I certainly like have heard of, you know, me- very measurable impact, but it's hard to get really mm. detailed uh, data on it. I love that. There's a couple of things I want to pick up. First off, I often get people saying once they eventually buy, well, I've listened to the podcast long enough, or I've, yeah. you know, I've been a podcast fan for ages. And therefore I feel like sometimes that can be a fairly slow burn that it can take time. This isn't going to be, you're going to listen to one episode and go, boom, done, let's buy. You know, this might be something that happens over time and grows over time. The other thing I want to pick up on only because I know my audience will be like, oh, hang on, what did he say there? You said that a decent sized uh, podcast downloads were like a thousand to 1500 per episode, because that's one thing that is so frustrating for everybody in podcasting yes. and in lots of different places, podcasting particularly, but we understand the deal behind it is the fact of, all. Well, what's a good podcast downloads? Like how many downloads should I have? Well, you know, how long's a piece of string? Let's be honest. There's yeah. no hard or fast thing, but everybody wants to know what's a good level. And actually one thing, one thing I want to pick up from that before you answer it is the fact of one of the ways in which we can make money, and I'm really jumping around here. Jeremy's going to think I'm a terrible podcaster. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I pitched this woman. She was awful. No. Um, but, like, 
So one of the things that, one of the ways you can make money from podcasts is through sponsorship. And as we speak at the moment, I don't have a sponsor. I have considered it. I've kind of gone off the idea, come back to it. But that's one of the ways. But actually for, for me, like I look at Amy Porterfield's podcast or I look at James Wedmore's podcast or Brooke Castillo's and like, mm-hmm they have got millions of downloads, millions. So then I'm thinking, well, mine is nowhere near big enough. So let's just talk about that for a second in terms of like sizes of podcasts and and like, is there a way you should reach before you even think about trying to monetize it through that way? Yeah, I, I love this because there, like you said, there is so much kind of opaqueness around mm. listener download numbers. And I, I know when I launched my last podcast and I think on the launch day and you know, I'm like a podcast expert, but I was starting from zero. I had no existing audience. And yeah. I think on launch day, I got like a hundred downloads or something like that. And I like did a whole launch thing and, and whatever. And I shared that publicly and a whole bunch of people were just like, thank you so much for sharing this. Like, I don't feel so bad. Like I'm still like six months in, I'm still at like 50 downloads an episode or whatever. Or I, I just don't know. And I was really surprised at that response. Like I thought I knew people would want to know, but it was like an emotional, like people were like, oh, I'm not alone. And yeah. so, yeah, I love talking about this stuff. And when it comes to size, I think there is absolutely no right size. And it depends just so much on your niche and, you know, you and your personality and what you talk about and all these different things. And I like what you mentioned before. I just want to circle back to that about how it is. uh, I think you said it was maybe take time. It is certainly going to take time to grow a podcast. I find that most often it takes anywhere from like nine to 18 months kind of before the snowball really starts to roll. And a lot of times it takes longer than that. And in that kind of time span, like, we think about like, think about picking up a new musical instrument or something like that. You wouldn't expect within six months that you are just going to be like playing concerts with mm. your your new saxophone or, or whatever yeah. that you picked up. <laughs> it's going to take time to learn how to do yeah. that. And podcasting is no different. It's not just talking to somebody. It's not just having a uh, a conversation. Like some people have that natural talent that they can just talk to anyone and it's super engaging and focused and all these relevant takeaways are pulled out for their listeners we don't speak like that in in everyday life. Normally, we talk to one other person, we're not thinking about an audience, we're not thinking about what's best for them, what they're going to want to know, like what you just did here, you're, you know, getting close to 200 episodes in where you said, I know my listeners are going to ask about this, like, that takes yeah. time to figure out to get to know your audience. And also then to train yourself to be like, okay, I'm curious about this, but I know my listeners are actually going to care more about that. So we should go that way. And so it, it takes time to like, get comfortable as a podcast host. And I think that's a large part of it. And I, I don't know why that time span always seems to growth starts to increase around there. But I, I will say like, yeah, if you've been going for a few months, if you've been going for, you know, 10 or 15 episodes, keep going. And, uh, you know, at that year point, maybe reassess and either think like, is this not working for me? Or should I just experiment and try some different things? Um, so I do want to just touch on that there. Yeah. And actually, if I can just come back on two things on that. Well, the first one is I have openly said many times on the podcast Month nine was the month my podcast went whoosh, and I have no idea why. And my husband and my VA asked me like, what did you do this month? And I was like, nothing. I did yep. nothing. It was like, suddenly everybody went, oh no, she's still here. Great. God, and then we'll listen to it. <laughs> but literally month nine, you can see it in my stats, how it just lifts. Mm-hmm. But I said in my head that I was going to give it 12 months. 
because of the fact that I knew it would take time. But actually, I'm so glad you said nine to 18 months, if, you know, possibly even a bit longer, because I've got a number of podcasters that I know that are thinking it's not growing fast enough. I'm not getting enough downloads per episode. But funnily enough, one of them who's, he his, his podcast is fairly new anyway, and then he's actually tweaked it and, and changed it a little bit. Because that again can happen, because it's like you start off thinking you know, and then as you carry on, it's like, actually, I love talking about this, or I really yeah. enjoyed this aspect. And so he's done that for the better, and I think he's made the right move changing it. But again, you know, his downloads were, were not anywhere near where he wants them to be. But he got an email the other day from someone who it listened and like, you know, he screenshot it and sent it to me. And they were like, that episode helped me so much. And it's like, I think sometimes we fig- we forget when we look at these numbers that that's one person, like one person has bothered to click download and listen to you talk in their ears for half an hour to an hour, however long your podcast is. And, and yet sometimes we're like, no, why isn't it 500 or a thousand or a, and it's like, geez, man, the fact that anybody did it, we should be over the flipping moon about it, shouldn't we? You know? So, so I love that realism about it. Cause I do think sometimes we can look at the James Wedmore's and the Amy's of this world and think, well, why aren't I there yet? So let's talk about, obviously, like I said, this, you know, I want to talk about the money making in two ways. But as we're here with the numbers and things, let's talk about sponsorship then. Like, mm-hmm. first off, and we weren't even going to go down this route, but I knew this would happen. I go off on a tangent. And um, like, should you even look at doing sponsorship for a podcast? Is it a given that you want to do that? So I think generally, yes, but in kind of two different ways. So I would say that it is always worth thinking about sponsoring your podcast. But for a lot of people, the sponsor that makes the most sense is you yourself. Your business sponsors the podcast. You take ad breaks, but you're promoting your own products. Maybe you're just running like testimonial type ads of things like that. Of They could be just from listeners of the podcast, or it could be people who like read your blog or uh, have been through your programs, things like that, where you just take those designated ad spots and you promote your own stuff. And for most people, that is how you're going to actually make the most money from the podcast. And this is, this happens to so many of us because we have such a discomfort with selling in that we keep producing all this great free content. And we like never even tell people that there's all these other ways we can help them. And a lot of times, like when I think about the podcasts I listen to, I have not been to their website ever. Like I listen to podcasts every single week but I have never been to their website. And so if they don't mention their programs and products on the podcast, like I might not be on their email list. I haven't been to their website. How am I going to find out about it? And I love them. Like I might've been listening for two years every single week. That's a lot of time with a person and have no idea that like, oh, hey, they've got this course that is perfect for me. And I would spend uh, $500 or whatever it is in a heartbeat and they just haven't promoted it. So I think that that's something that is is really important. And uh, even if you're really uncomfortable with that, put it as the very last thing in your podcast so that people can just easily skip if they don't want to hear it. But a lot of times you can take like a, a longer ad break or and it's not even a break at this point. It's just at the end. And this is something I often recommend for like flagship programs that might cost, you know, $1,000 or more have that be like a a 60 second or even two minute uh, ad at the end of an episode. And over time, your diehard listeners, they're listening through the whole thing. And like, that's a decision that people aren't going to make in an instant, like it might take them a year or two of listening before they're like, okay, yeah, it's it's, maybe it's like a $2,000 program or something like the timing has to be right. It's a a big commitment financially, time wise. But 
that's like sinking in over two years of listening to the podcast. And at some point, that's going to start paying off. And so uh, if you have, you know, lower price programs and freebies and opt-ins, like put those in the middle, but for high ticket items, like that's a great thing to just have at the end, people can skip it if they they don't want to hear it. But some people are going to keep hearing that and it's going to kind of like wiggle its way into their brain and, uh, and eventually lead to conversions. Okay, so I love that. And I've got some questions. So I, I had never thought about advertising myself. Now I have heard others do this, but there is a part of me that thinks, well, I do it. Like I talk about my programs and I talk about my stuff, but actually, unless I'm going into a sales mode, i.e. a cart is opening and I mention it on the podcast, which I'll do at the beginning, I don't often then mention a product. So obviously that all the doors are shut on everything as we record this today. So I, I, you know, doing your intro and outro, once I've done this, I won't mention anything, but you're not just talking about mentioning it. You're talking about an ad. So how, how do I do that? And how's that difference? Because I don't want to be like, although I think I could do quite a funny tongue in cheek one. Like, I don't want to be like, Hey, this is an advert for you really need this in your life. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So is that is does it have to be that structured as in this is an ad? And is there a particular structure for the ad that you should use? So I there's an one of the reasons I like making it an obvious ad is because I feel like then you're able to say to sponsors, when if you're if you're talking with outside sponsors, you can have this structure in place where you're like, well, I have two ad breaks. Uh there at this time there's like a 15 second one at the intro, and then there's a 30 second one in the middle, something like that. And right now those are already filled by my own stuff. And it it kind of like helps it helps you understand your own worth and be able to judge like, okay, if I'm going to take away from um, mentioning my own product and sponsoring my own stuff or sponsoring the podcast with my own stuff, this had better be a good opportunity um, from this other advertiser. And so you can kind of, it gives you a bit more leverage, I feel like, and confidence um, going into the like the, the sale basically of saying like, okay, well, I have this structure. Uh, you're not just making it up on the fly. You're like, I take ad breaks here and here they're this length. And currently I, I have them both filled and then you can kind of book in your own ads almost coming up to launches and things like that, which helps you plan around other sponsors. But it, it also, I kind of feel like it, it gives you a confidence boost and, and makes you just reassess taking any sponsor that you can get. So that's the reason, one of the reasons why I like having some structure around it is that your audience is used to there being ad breaks. And, you know, most of the time it could be just a tongue in cheek thing. And a lot of times, like I, uh, on my show, for most of the time, I just sponsor my newsletter. And so my newsletter is like the, my favorite thing I do in my business. It's not just, it's not like an email blast. It's like a long form article and uh, yeah. links to five things that I found each week. And that's like my flagship content. Uh, I yeah. blog, I do a podcast, but the newsletter is like the thing that I like care the most about. And so I just sponsor it uh, with the newsletter and say like, Hey, this is the newsletter. Um, this is what it's about. This is what you'll get away. And um, just give a, a bit of the background on it. You can go to this link to sign up. And so it could be go to your Instagram profile. It could be any action outside of the podcast. It could just be a like PSA, like, Hey, did you know that I did this? Um, and it's, and I'm active over here. Uh, maybe it's like I do Facebook lives every week on this day, like check them out by going here to this link or whatever that is. Yeah. So it doesn't always need to be a product, um, but I think it helps to have that structure. I, I know I'm a huge 
systems person. And I feel like when there's structure, then I actually like fill it. And so sometimes it's creating the space for something that's defined. And then you're like, oh, well, I need to put something there. So what am I going to do this week? And maybe it's just running the same ad every time, or maybe it is coming up with something new every week or whatever that is. Um, but I feel like oftentimes when there is no defined structure there, there's no ad break uh, in place, then it just becomes this thing that's vaguely on your to-do list that's like, oh yeah, well, I guess I should think about that. Someday I'll get around to that. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I like actually saying like, nope, there are ad breaks, uh, they're here and here. And then I know that for my own stuff, as well as any other sponsors, I can pitch them a package that says like, here's what you get basically. Mm. Okay. That's really helpful. How, like, how do I make it stand out? So is it something that you record separately? Is it like something with music behind it? Is it, cause my worry would be like, well, I'd feel a bit of a plonker just like jumping into, you know, so today we're going to talk about this. And if you want to do like, it, it, do you know what I mean? Whereas I have to say someone who I think does this really well, uh, my very dear friend, Mary Hyatt has a podcast and she will get to a point in her podcast that you're like, Ooh, ready for the next thing. And she drops in at that point. So then you're like, you can't go anywhere because you're waiting to hear what this thing is. But she then's like, Hey, it's Mary here. I just wanted to hop in and say, duh, duh. and actually it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel salesy particularly. It feels different, but <laughs> actually it feels okay. So is that the kind of thing, but that's obviously pre-recorded with some music and, and something a bit different. Yeah, I, I like I always pre-record them and have them as a separate clip that I can just plop in kind of, um, you know, wherever that ad break is going to be. Um, and so that's what I would recommend doing just on ease of use for, for you and your editor is, is not recording something new every single time. Or and, and like what we have a lot of clients do is if they have a lot of different programs and ads, they'll just you know, record a batch of them. And then I'll, you know, put, uh, and our team will put music to them and we'll just like drop those in where they need to be. And mm. so I think that's the easiest mm. for kind of batching ads. Like you might batch record episodes, uh, is the, the easiest way to do that from just a management side of things. Uh, and yeah, like the, the example you mentioned there, I think that's a great way. I, I think ads should be personal. They should be fun. They should not be like too, again, kind of getting back to corporate-y and like, they should have yeah. personality in them. And the, like, podcast ads, the, the ones that work the best are the ones that you can feel the host is actually excited and enthusiastic yeah. about. And yeah. so I will say along those lines too, any sponsor that you bring on should be someone that you're actually going to be enthusiastic to promote yeah. and that you know that this is actually benefiting your audience. Yeah. Because I've had people come to me before and ask to sponsor the podcast and I don't even know what the system is. And it's like, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. Because how could I possibly sit and talk about a system I don't know anything about and don't use? You know, now it's funny. There is when I do my build my list course, I talk about lots of different email systems. And obviously I don't use them all. I can only use one. But my knowledge is enough that I can make recommendations. So that feels different. So that would feel like better than even if I didn't use it, at least I know it and I can recommend it. But, but yeah, so, okay. So what about bringing someone in as a outside sponsor? When, when could you start to think about it? Like how small a podcast will they sponsor? What sort of money would you get for it? Like, yeah. how does it work? So I, again, I think that there are very few rules here. And I think that the nicher, that the narrower your niche, the more you can get. And so sometimes uh, the example that I like to use here, this is an extreme example that uh, I have not heard of actually existing, but I could imagine it existing. Mm -hmm. And so imagine that you have a podcast that is you interview, uh, or, or maybe you only have 25 listeners, tiny, tiny audience, you only have 25 listeners, but they are all of the 25 top heart health researchers in the world. 
And yeah. those 25 people, there's only, there's, there's only 25 of them in existence. They all listen to your podcast. How much do you think pharmaceutical companies would be willing to pay you to get in front of those people? Yeah. Probably millions of dollars. Like I would, I would bet that they certainly would, if they could have the ear of those 25 people, the, the biggest decision makers in the industry, they would pay. And so obviously that's a extreme example, but that exists on, on yeah. any scale basically. Yeah. And so, right. yeah, we have one client who he has a show about 1500 downloads uh, an episode. So it's, again, it's not massive by any means, but that's, you know, bigger than a lot of people would love to have 1500 downloads an episode. Mm -hmm. He has two sponsors each paying $3,000 a month. So he's getting $6,000 in sponsorship income from a 1500 download an episode podcast. And we've seen that same kind of number uh, in a, a number of different uh, clients that we've worked with. And it's, it's just because his niche is so narrow and because it overlaps like one-to-one -one with the sponsor and that it's just the perfect fit. Like both yeah. of those sponsors work specifically with his audience and almost all of his audience need those sponsors or someone like them. And so wow. it's like a no-brainer. And of course they want to get in front of those people uh, and the sponsors are willing to pay that. And the, the really funny thing is he actually, one of the sponsors he used to have previously at $1,000 a month. And back then, both him and I were like, oh, that's a pretty good rate. I mean, his show was a little bit smaller, but not by much. And then I think there was like a six or eight month lapse where they weren't sponsoring the show. And he talked to a friend of his who had a similar show. And I don't think he was working with the same sponsor. It was, it was somebody else, but his friend told them uh, they were just talking. He was like, well, how much are you getting for your sponsorships? And the, the friend said, I'm getting like 3000 a month. And he was like, oh, okay, maybe I should be charging more. And these similar size audiences. So the, the sponsor came back. We're looking to sponsor again. And they asked him, how much are your rates now? And he, he kind of like, just like heart in his throat. And he yeah. was just like, uh, three, 3,000 a month. Now it's, it's the price has tripled and they were like, yep, sounds good. And just immediately no questions asked. So I think if you're, if you can find companies that are, you know, equally really overlap with your niche and they have that exact same audience and your audience needs some sponsor like that for, to do the work they do or, or in their life or whatever it is that there is, um, it is possible to get some, some pretty high paying sponsors out there. And the other thing that I'll say with this too, is it really helps to not just think about the ad slots in your podcast, but really build like cross-platform packages. Yeah. And so if you are including newsletter mentions and Instagram stories or, you know, whatever it is, if you can kind of pull in all these add-ons to make it uh, feel more valuable to the sponsors, because they don't care about just getting in front of your podcast audience. They care about getting in front of those same people wherever they are. And so that can really up the value as well. That is crazy amazing, that is, isn't it? And it comes back to, to I keep thinking like the universe keeps sending me this niching message because I don't niche. And I, mm. and I talk openly the fact that it doesn't do me any favors not having a niche, you know, and actually makes my job a whole lot harder. But like given the right niche, like to get a sponsor like that, that is insane. And like you said, on a, on a number of downloads that you wouldn't expect, but if it's it just proves that it's got to be so much about your audience a fit against a sponsor fit. So if you're yep. just doing it to get the money, then it's probably not the best driver. But if you can identify that actually, oh, that would be so good for that audience, like yeah. you would be bang on perfect, then it makes sense, doesn't it? That's crazy. That is amazing. Like, yeah. And, and so then thinking about someone like you who produces podcasts, if you've got a sponsor for that amount of money, then it's a no brainer to then get someone else to do the whole production stuff, you know, yeah. because it's paying for itself. So 
again, in the early days, it might feel like, well, you're paying money out for nothing, but we've just got to get through that pain. And, and then you'll get to a point where no one else has got, because most people won't stick out that pain, will they? They'll be like, oh, well, it's not working and they'll just give up. And, you know, and then the ones who are willing to stick around, they, you know, they'll reap the rewards. Okay. So that is so cool. And you give me so much to think about there. Do you know what? I love it personally. And I think the audience love it when like, I'm like, oh, actually this is, I need to know this information for myself because it's like so fascinating. But I can think of like four people off the bat about even thinking that listen to this podcast, that have podcasts that have small numbers and smaller compared to my numbers. And I know they've looked at me and like gone like, well, you know, your numbers, but they're much more niche than I am. Mm -hmm. So actually they're probably way more open to a sponsor than I am because I can't pin down my audience to a, like a finite detail. You know, I've got another, one of my members is a, uh, she does a marketing podcast, but it's specifically to counselors, to, mm-hmm. to therapists in the UK. So again, that, you know, and she said to me, she compared her downloads to mine and actually they were really good. Like, you know, she was like, you know, I don't think it's enough. And I, I read her my downloads and she read me hers. And yes, they they weren't as big as mine, but I was like, but you've got a niche audience. So your yeah. audience isn't as, the audience I can go at is massive compared to what you can go at. And actually the fact that you've got those downloads and you're way under the episodes I'm under, you're doing amazing well. And actually yeah. from a sponsorship point of view, she'd be way up there higher than I would. So yeah, that's so cool. Okay. What about one of the things you pitched when you came to me is the fact of you have a client case study of someone who was getting only 200 downloads per episode, which is a, you know, is, is for some people that's still a you know good amount that's still 200 people like if you invited those 200 people around your house they wouldn't fit in it you know what I mean yeah. so you know that is still a lot of people listening to your podcast but from a podcaster point of view you know that wouldn't be seen as a huge number but yeah. they pulled off a really successful launch so talk about this I'm so conscious of our time because we had a bit of a chat and I've like pulled you in every direction but if you can just yeah. talk us through this that would be awesome yeah so this is uh, it's really interesting because I didn't actually know well I don't think she really was thinking that this launch would go like it did this was her first big launch and so she is a coach again with a tiny tiny niche uh, specifically uh, working with uh, women physicians and so I'm sure there's still a lot of those in the world but that's a pretty narrow niche there uh, life coaching and for that specific audience and so she had a small uh, membership community I think she had maybe a hundred people in it something like that maybe 150 but I think a lot of those she had like um given free access to to kind of kickstart the community. So not all of those people were even paying members, but she'd done some one-on-one work with some of those people. And then some of them were paying maybe like $50 a month, maybe $100 a month, something like that. So pretty small scale. And this was going to be her first big program launch for her big six-month program. The first time she was ever launching it, I believe. She might have done one beta before it for less. Um, So this is a high-ticket item, six-month coaching um, at, at a very high level. And she ended up before even going through with any of her launch, she had a whole challenge lined up. She had Facebook ads that were going to run all these things. She pitched it to her kind of uh, warm audience, people who were already in her membership, basically all of whom made up her podcast listener base. And she had a $300,000 launch. And so she sent me an email and was just like, uh, I'm kind of stunned. Like basically 
everybody was just like my podcast listeners and those in the community. And basically the, the really interesting thing to me that I think really highlights the strength of podcasting is that she was basically creating the podcast, not as a way to even find new people and bring them into her audience, but as a way to add value to those existing people in her uh, community already. So they were already kind of paying members. They were already really familiar with her. And it was just a way to answer questions that were coming up that she didn't have time to address on, you know, their weekly live calls or whatever that was, or ways to just build this evergreen content that supplemented everything that they talked about in the membership. And so that is, I think the the important thing to understand with podcasting is that especially today uh, in 2021 when we're recording this podcasting is so much more competitive and crowded and uh, you know you're almost 200 episodes in there was a lot fewer podcasts back when you started and I know a lot of people who were able to, to actually grow fairly significant audiences just by producing the podcast that does not happen that much anymore these days and so I think the really important uh, way to think about podcasting in your marketing system is to think about that as the trust building system of your marketing. And so you still need this other exposure system is how I like to think about it, that there's the, uh, the exposure system and the trust system. And so the exposure system is how you get in front of people. And so that might be on guesting on other podcasts that could be through social media, depending on how you approach that. It could be paid through advertising. It could be through collaborations, all these other ways, um, but to get exposure to new audiences. But where the podcast really, really shines is in building trust with people. We, we've mentioned this a, a few times throughout this interview of like just spending so much time, even one hour with somebody in your ears, let alone a hundred episodes or 175 episodes where you're at now. Like if anybody's listened through the whole back catalog, like oh, they know they need to pretty much everything about you. <laughs> I still them because why? My husband wouldn't want to listen to me that long. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that's basically what this client did was she was saying like the purpose of my podcast is to better serve the people who are already familiar with me, get them spending more time with me. And I mean, she wasn't approaching it from that strategic angle. She was doing it from a, a good hearted place and her people like ate up the podcast. They loved it. And she sold out all 50 spots in her program uh, before even she canceled her challenge, canceled all the Facebook ads. She was like, Oh, oh well, uh, okay. I, I guess, I guess that's all I needed. That's so good, isn't it? And I was, funnily enough, I'm going through a course myself at the moment. You're always learning, always, always. And yeah. it's around launches and different types of launches and various things. And obviously this is something I know a lot about, but I'm always open to there's other things and I, I'm going to learn something somewhere down the line. And one of the things that I think I didn't give enough credit to is the fact of by the time someone gets to the purchase, it should be a no-brainer. Now, I kind of knew this, but I think now I need to think about my email content, my podcast content, my how's everything kind of just feeding into getting people ready to then make that buying decision so that if I'm doing it right, if I'm recording the, you know, if I've got the right kind of content coming out on the podcast, if I'm making sure I'm covering the right things, if I'm doing the right emails, then then actually trying to drive cold traffic or trying to drive traffic from a Facebook ad is pointless. Hopefully by that point, you know, you've built yourself enough of an audience that it can, you know, it should convert without you having to work too hard at it because you put that time and effort in. And, and as I said earlier, there'll be so many people who love the idea of it. And funnily enough, I've, I've watched people go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to podcast, I'm going to podcast. And then they do it for like six episodes. And I'm like, oh, season one's over with. And it's like, yeah, season one, my backside. Like, no, <laughs> there won't be a season two. Or even if there is, it's like season two comes out, but it's now changed. And then there's eight episodes. And season three comes out and like, 
it's something else again. And it's, and for me, and I don't know about you, but for me, what I feel is, has come down to my success is the sheer consistency yes. and showing up every single Monday without doubt. Like I'm here again, I'm here again. And even when life has got in the way and believe me in these last 12 months for all of us, life has seriously got in the way, yeah. still showing up it's knowing that that's the only thing that if I do nothing else, obviously I have to show up my Academy and various other things, but, yeah. but that is like, you're always going to get that. You're always going to get me showing up and doing that thing. Yeah. The way that I like to think about that, because I think that especially in podcasting, I mean, in, in social media and in all these different kind of content channels, people talk about consistency all the time, but I think what never clicked for me, I kind of came across, just stumbled on this idea, maybe nine months ago or something like that was that if you are hoping that one day somebody is going to buy a program from you or take some risk where it's either a time investment or it's a financial investment and maybe a fairly large financial investment that takes a lot of trust in you, which we've just been talking about and podcasting is great for that. But where consistency plays into this, I think is that if you can't even, I mean, so you know, and anybody who produces a podcast knows that there is a lot of work that goes into it, yeah. but yeah. I don't think most listeners realize that. And so in their mind, producing a podcast or writing a blog post every week, if that's the commitment you've made, that seems like pretty easy. You should be able to keep that up. And so if you start missing those in their mind, they're probably not aware of it, but I think that they start to think like, oh, well, if they can't even follow through on just producing yeah. a podcast every week, are they going to follow through on the big thing when I'm spending $500 on their course? And I think that they're not aware of that seed of doubt, but it's in there and it makes it so much harder on you when you have to convince them to make that sale and convince them that you're going to follow through and that it's going to be worth it and that you're going to get them results. And so I think consistency in the little things kind of makes them more confident that you'll be able to deliver on the big things. Yeah, 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 totally agree. Jeremy, I'm so grateful for the time you give me. So we started out this podcast. And I was like, we'll talk about this, I think. And then I've just taken you around the houses and back again. So like I said, you're going to come off here and be like, no one go and be interviewed by her. She is like <laughs> all over the shop. Um, but thank you so very much for your time. I will obviously put all your links in the show notes. You've got something exciting coming up though, haven't you? So do you want to just tell my audience about that? And then we'll make sure we put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, so uh, we talked a lot about uh, podcast sponsorships in uh, in this episode, and I actually just yesterday, as we're recording this, released a uh, massive blog post on the topic, and I pasted it into uh, to LinkedIn to promote it, and it gives you the estimated reading time, and it came in at sixty four minutes, and I was like, oh, "Wow, oh, <laughs> no one's going to read this." <laughs> but the good news is that uh, basically, I've taken that blog post. I've been working on this for like six months or something like that, and uh, it became too overwhelming. I was like. Uh, I can't finish it. And finally, I was like, okay, no, I got to get it out there. And uh, so I've taken all the content in this workshop. If you don't want to read through the, the 64 minute blog post, I'm going to be doing a free five day workshop. And there's going to be a bunch of extra resources and templates and email scripts and all these things included with that. And so uh, over five days, uh, at the end of March here, uh, 2021, then I'm going to be walking through uh, each of the phases of how to approach podcast sponsorships, kind of like we talked about in this episode of like, it's it's aimed at niche podcasters, small audiences, but aiming for, you know, these five figure sponsorship deals. Amazing. Love it. Love it. Perfect timing. Jeremy, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Yeah, this has been fantastic. And uh, I know we've covered a lot of ground, but this has been one of the more uh, fun interviews I've done. Thank you. <laughs>
Okay, there you go. That was the lovely Jeremy chatting all about how to put yourself out there and get yourself seen on other podcasts. And then for those of you who are podcasters or thinking about how to make some money from podcasting. So that was a really good conversation, especially for me as a podcaster. Obviously, it was great to hear and have a conversation about those things. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, Jeremy is putting together a free five day workshop, which starts on the 29th to the 2nd of April. <laughs> I'm so professional, Ollie. Can you hear me? Like literally trying to read this as I'm telling you. It's your roadmap, roadmap, oh my goodness, roadmap to a five-figure podcast sponsorship. I would never make a newsreader just you know, let's say that. I don't think I could ever read an autocue. But yeah, if you want to go and get involved in that, if you are a podcaster and you want to learn how to make some money with your podcast, then please do click on the link in the show notes. Uh, and also I'll be sharing it on my social, no doubt as well. So yeah, go and enjoy that. And I will see you next week for another interview. Like I said, I sneak Jeremy in, but next week it's a great one all about Google Analytics and why you need to pay attention to them. So I will see you then. Until then, have a lovely week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 